Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get the episode started. I have something exciting to tell you about. We have launched the Fat Guy Forum Patreon. That's right. You can now become a monthly supporter of the show for just a few dollars, less than a cup of coffee a month. You can support keeping these amazing dude stories coming to you. And there's even a bonus at one of the tiers that I think is going to be very exciting. I have some great ideas to come to as we develop this, but I wanted to get it launched and in your hands. So if you enjoy what you hear on this show and you want to help me to keep it coming to you, please go over to that link in the show notes. And that is patreon.com slash keto. Thank you so much, my friends, and on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to have you with us yet again today for another episode where we talk to another dude who has a great story to share, and he's someone I've been connected with for a while on Instagram. I'm excited we're finally getting to have a real-time conversation. His name is Mark Silberg. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Gourmet? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Let's, let's let's dive right into it, man. Let's not keep it keep your story from the people. Tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Uh, that, that's a that's a good question. Uh, first, I want to say you're probably old enough to get this, but uh, long time listener, first time caller, mm-hmm. like the sort of old radio show caller. Oh, yeah. I've been listening since the beginning, and I and I love the show. So I wanted to throw that out there first. Um, qualifies to be me to be a fat guy, not just a fat guy, a fat nerdy guy, which is sort of a different genre of, of fat guy, which I'll get mm-hmm. to I'm sure later later in the story, but. Um, Looking back early on, I was a fairly active kid and, and not too big. Um, always sort of the, the husky kid, shopped in the, the husky section, but um, nothing sort of out of control until probably into my sort of eight years old, nine years old. We were looking back at some old pictures not that long ago uh, at my parents' place, and you can sort of see me just start, start growing, you know, up and out at the same time. Um, I was always the kid that uh, wanted to eat everything, and, and some of my sort of my, one of my mother's favorite stories is one day I came home with a lunchbox full of wrappers. Um, I was probably six or seven, maybe eight at the time, uh, that she didn't send to school with me. And I, and I vividly remember that day. I, I was always the kid in the, in the lunchroom who was like, oh, you're going you to finish that? If not, like send, send that fruit cup over here and send those cookies over. And it was never cookies, but it was, it was all everything else. Hey, like you got half a sandwich there. Like I'll, I'll take that. And yeah, one day uh, the class thought it'd be fun for me to sort of eat everything that they didn't want and put all the wrappers in my lunchbox. Um, and I sent, obviously sent, came, brought that home with me and, you know, my mom opened my lunchbox at the end of the day to clean it and all these wrappers fell out and was like, well, what, 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 happened? Like what, what went on here? And, you know, trading, trading at lunchtime was all fun and games until you ran out of things to trade. So they would just give them to me to, to eat. And that is sort of, I think where my, my story of being a fat guy starts was, you know, clear, clearing the lunchroom tables at the end of the day, I went to a school where the gym was the lunchroom and they'd fold out tables and at the end of lunch, we would help put the tables away before we, we got to go play outside. And, um, it was always I was always on sort of cleanup duty of, of anything that was left over, uh, which these days sounds like sounds pretty gross. But I, I'm talking more like wrapped things and fruit cups and uh, you know cookies and bags of carrots and it didn't matter. I, We're not, I ate it. This is the fat guy forum. We're not judging Mark. We're not. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. absolutely no, no I, I own I own that. Like I was I was the cleanup vacuum in those days. Um, but I think in those days I was still also pretty active. Uh, you know, sports and running around and you know as children usually are, and and didn't impact me quite as much. Um, later on, obviously, you know, that started to catch up with me real quick. Um, again, like one of my sort of most vivid memories going back to as a child is my parents would be in like the, the family room watching TV or they'd have friends over and I'd be hungry and I would go to the fridge and make these 
epic sandwiches that consisted of every single leftover in the fridge. And, and I didn't care. I had spaghetti sandwiches. I had spaghetti and, and chicken and steak and whatever was in the fridge. Um, I would put it between two slices of bread. Uh, sometimes they were, you know, inches high and that would be my snack for the night. And, and I used to love doing that. That was my favorite. And, and there was never any leftovers left for anybody else because I would, I would clear out the fridge and, you know, all the sauces and, and, you know, the same way you make a sandwich now with the mustard and the mayonnaise. And, and, I, and I loved those random, super weird combinations. But um, obviously that, that caught up to me. Uh, I think, and I, I've, again, asked my parents this and, and none of us can remember, um, it became apparent probably as a preteen, 11 or 12, that, that things were getting out of hand. And I was, uh, you know, go to the family doctor. I grew up in a small town that had sort of one family doctor who, who everybody saw and, and everybody loved. He was amazing, but it would always be like, so Mark's getting a little big, you know, like, what are, what are we doing about this? Um, so I went on Weight Watchers as a sort of preteen. The best guess I can have is 11 or 12, because I'm looking at pictures of uh, my bar mitzvah when I was 13, and I was, I was certainly not not small uh, in those days. I, I certainly, I wasn't weighing myself back then, but um, I, I would guesstimate, you know, buck 60 to buck 70, maybe at 13, uh, not far off where I am now. Um, and I, I remember going to Weight Watchers and, you know, the first few times my, my mom would come in or my dad would come in and then I'd get dropped off there, you know, every Tuesday night or whatever it was and walking in and being a, a 12 year old boy in a room full of, you know, middle-aged overweight women in those days I think there was certainly times I remember being the only guy in the room and, and thinking that, which, um, was a bit strange. Uh, and the, they had like the big scale behind the curtain and you'd go back there with your little passport book and they'd weigh you in and they'd, they'd write the number and then you'd go sit through a meeting in those days. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think it was a good idea at the time. I, I don't think I was mature enough at that point to really understand what was going on. Um, they, they would talk and they would tell their stories and, and I would sort of, tune out and, you know, stare at the walls. And, and I remember it, it worked for a little bit, you know, like I sort of understood some of the fundamentals of, of how to eat, I think in those days, or, or started to understand, <clears throat> you know, eating a giant six, six inch tall sandwich full of leftovers was a terrible idea and I couldn't eat candy all day. Um, but I also remember going back behind that curtain to do a weigh-in, you know, sort of multiple times and the, the little old lady that would do the weigh-in, she had to have been 90 in those days so she was she was ancient i mean i was 12 so my judgment maybe right of course she she she, she was old she was probably um, actually 37 but, yeah i know right like yeah uh, yeah now that i look back yeah she was yeah she was probably one of the women yeah she was probably 30, yeah 37 <laughs> a, good, a good guess um but she'd you know she'd weigh in and i and i wouldn't lose weight or i'd gain a pound or two and she'd look at me and be like it's it's okay i know i know you tried hard this week why don't why don't we just put last week's weight again um which again, looking back, she was being very, very kind to a, a you know chubby twelve-year-old or eleven-year-old, but um, certainly didn't help me with my my weight loss journey at that point. So that that didn't last too long. I think I probably went for a few months and then just decided that was that was not for me. Um, and then from there, then on out, it uh, it sort of just kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, high school, I was one of the first people to get a car. Again, it was a small town, so we were sort of in the middle of nowhere. The cafeteria was your sort of typical. Uh, you know, movie cafeteria. We mostly it was garbage except for the French fries. So we all ate French French fries at lunch every day with covering it's Canada. So we put gravy on them and you know half a half a bottle of ketchup um, and cheese. And so it was cheese fries uh, and gravy, you know, sort of fake poutine, and we would eat that almost every day uh, in the cafeteria. Everybody, not not just me. I mean, obviously they had other things that people ate, but uh, we would eat fries every day. And, and then I got a car. Uh, my grandmother passed away uh, right when I was sixteen. Uh, so I was sort of the first of my friends to have a car. She left me her car and that was sort of ticket to ride. And I know lots of people on this, this podcast have talked about getting the car and being able to go and get bad foods. But 
Um, that was what we did every day. We'd go at lunch. I was the designated lunch driver, so I, I normally got to pick the place. Um, you know, within a five or ten minute drive, we had a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Taco Bell, um, any sort of most fast food you can think of. And that's, again, what we did every single day. We would get in the car, we would go and have lunch, and we weren't eating. I wasn't eating small portions of lunch, you know. None of, I don't think any of my, my meals were as epic as sort of your mm-hmm. biggest <laughs> biggest McDonald's order, which I, I've heard, heard a few times. But um, they, certainly, they certainly weren't small. It was a combo plus something else or two combos or, or you know, and then... I used to love uh, the sweet and sour sauce and the barbecue sauce. So I'd get three or four or five of those back in the day before they charged you and pour that all over my burger and all over my fries and ketchup. And, you know, looking back, it makes me sort of shudder, not, not just at the, the sugar and, and caloric intake, but just, I can't imagine that tastes great um, to what I was doing back then, but it was, uh, it, it was happening almost all the time. Um, and, and I've sort of come to realize since now, I guess, sort of today years old, I guess, um, I was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Systematic and sort of ritualized the eating. You know, at McDonald's, I would get this and I would sit down and I would open it and I would put this sauce here and that sauce there and dip this in there. And and, and I never noticed at the time, but, uh, you know, my friends would laugh about it sometimes, but it never sort of clicked that that, that was part of that, like, ritual of eating for me, which I just love doing. Um, taking all these, these, these sauces and doing them the exact same way every single time for any restaurant we went to, I use McDonald's as an example, but Taco Bell was no different. I would get, you know, 27 extra hot sauce packets and put them on everything with the ketchup would go here in this corner. And, um, I, I, that sort of continued throughout my life, that sort of ritualized eating, which led to sort of binging later, much later on, or was probably then too, but I didn't sort of recognize it. Um, and that went on through most of high school. I remember at some point, um, in high school, probably around 16 or 17, um, I was up in the two eighties. I, I saw two ninety nine once, uh, during high school and put my scale away and didn't get on it again for a long time. So I, I don't have a sort of top weight that I can sort of pick as my, I put approximately 300 sort of when I, when I tell people, but two ninety nine once. And I, I literally was like, not today, Satan. And I put the scale away. I didn't think that it was me, but I put the scale away. Um, and then not long after that, I, I had sort of started reading, you know, I wanted to get in shape. I was, I was a fat nerdy kid, which, you know, you get the, the, the fat end of the spectrum and then the nerdy end of the spectrum are, are they, they kind of go together, but they're both different sort of social outcasty sort of pieces. Like they're, they're, you know, pe- things that people can make fun of you for. So, um, I wanted to get in shape. I started reading, you know, men's health and, and some of the fitness magazines and I came across body for life, which was. Bill Phillips, I don't know if I don't know if you remember this one back. Uh, he ran the, the the company EAS, which was a vitamin company, and I and I've since done some research. He was revolutionary. He was the first person that had a supplement company, then that started a magazine about bodybuilding, which was mostly to sell his supplements, which made the company huge, um, which is really interesting. Uh, but he had this body for life program where it was take a before and after, do whatever you want for I think it was six weeks or 12 weeks. And then there was some grand prize at the end. And I thought like, great, I'm, I'm in for this. I can, I can eat healthy for 12 weeks. I can lose some weight. Um, I started taking, I don't remember, I don't remember what it was, but they were giant horse pills that were supposed to increase your metabolism that I had read about in some magazine. And, and I grew up in a pharmacy, so it was easy. They were not over, they were not drugs, but there was a, a vitamin of some sort. So I was able to get those. Um, and, I, I did. I, I sort of worked out. I went for a run once. Uh, I ran. I was actually just just where I was when I did when I did the run not long ago. And I it's probably 500 yards, but I didn't know any better, so I got out and put my shoes on and I ran as hard as I could, uh, expecting to go run a big long run. And I made it about 500 yards in 
passed out in the grass and couldn't breathe and, and couldn't move and ended up sitting there for probably a half an hour before I, I limped my way back mm. home. And that was, that was the end of my running career. Um, for but that. I did, I went, yeah, for that, for that. Yes. Sorry. That's yeah. Let's, let's we'll catch yeah, up for, to that for later. That. We will catch, we will catch up to that. Um, and I sort of, I would go, there was some weight room at the gym that, or at the school that we sometimes had access to. So I'd go lift some weights and I would try and eat healthy. I wouldn't eat the fries at lunch. I would try to make healthier choices. And, and, and I had some success. I, I don't know how much, but I, I felt better for a little bit, but it wasn't really sustainable. Um, I never got to take the after picture sort of thing. And I, I cooked out of, he had a cookbook eventually that came out. I cooked meals out of that cookbook. I, I love to cook even, even back then I loved to cook. Um, I was the house baker, so it was obviously mostly sweet cooking, but I, I sort of got his cookbook and started cooking out of that and tracking all my meals just in a, in a, and my workouts in a little spiral bound notebook again that he put out that he sold. So again, back to his magazine, uh, driving sales for his company, which, um, again, brilliant at the time. And, 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 and I felt good. I didn't, I didn't hate it. And, and sort of just nearing the end of that, uh, my dad had a customer again, he had a pharmacy and he had a customer who was a, uh, Mr. Canada, uh, bodybuilding competitor. And he had a personal training sort of office in a gym and he, he took me on as a client. So I would get up and I would go to the gym, which is about 40 minutes from my house or 30 minutes in my house. And those it's faster now they built a highway, but back then it was not. Um, and I'd go work out with him and he didn't really focus so much on the diet. I think I sort of gave the impression that I have that under control. I'm doing this body for life thing. I'm cooking out of these, this book. I'm, you know, here's my protein. Here's my calories. This is what I'm going for. There was no online macro calculators in those days. There was no way to sort of really determine. He, he told me what I should be eating, but I, I think I probably thought I knew better and, and ignored it, um, which goes on a lot in my life uh, until recently. And I, I worked out with him and he trained me, you know, a couple times a week. Mostly I sort of credit, credit, my future successes on him teaching me the fundamentals of how to lift weights. And he was very much, you know, form over weight, make sure you're doing every exercise sort of the best possible way you can to, to maximize the workout as opposed to just picking up heavy weights and throwing them around. Anybody can do that, but if you're doing it wrong, you're going to hurt yourself and you know, you're not going to have the results that you want. And, and I felt good. I did that for, I don't even know how long, probably six or seven months. And then he ended up closing up his shop and, I, I kept working out a bit after that, but I, I, again, I had some success. I didn't have a scale that I was getting on every day in those days or any way to track those numbers, but I definitely had some success and, and brought my weight down a little bit and, and felt good. That was really the crux of it. I was playing football in high school at the time. And I was, if you can imagine a sort of 300 pound, 16 year old being the smallest guy on the team. I, I was, I was, we had a lot of, uh, call them farm boys, like these guys that had grew up on farms, throwing hay bales around and were really, really gigantic dudes, both some healthy and some in an unhealthy way. But I was the smallest guy on the team. And I, I got, well, I got the shit kicked out of me like daily. We were me and me and sorry, I'm sorry. One, one of those, one, me and one other little guy, I remember Billy, he, we were the two smallest guy on the teams and we were essentially tackling dummies for probably all, almost all four years of high school. Um, but at the time it felt good to be lifting weights and getting a little bit healthier and, and, you know, feeling a bit stronger, especially out on the football field. Uh, and then that stopped and I don't think I did anything after that for a long time. I, I was, I think I maintained that again, my memory is a little bit fuzzy, but I think I maintained that for, for quite a while, but we still ate out a lot, ate a lot of junk, especially through high school. Had a lot of sort of friends that got in and out of healthy things and, and unhealthy things. And we sort of all went along with whatever was going on in those days, but we would spend most Friday night, Saturday night, all day Saturday, eating junk food or ordering pizza and playing video games and sitting around somebody's house, you know, doing, doing nothing good or wandering the streets or going to parties. 
and again, always ended up at the end of the night with, uh, if you'd been drinking with uh, way more food than we probably should have been consuming. Uh, it didn't seem to affect my friends as much. They were all pretty thin and healthy guys, most of them, but obviously it, it kept sort of compiling for me. There, taking a drink. Um, and that, that was sort of how I spent the next 20 years, maybe maybe 30 years, uh, just always wanting to to do something, but never knowing what it was and, and trying things, you know, um, I tried, I did Atkins with, uh, some coworkers. I actually messaged her. She, she just messaged me back as we were speaking right now to say what year it was. And she says, she says it was 2007. Um, so in 2007, uh, she's actually on keto now. She's, she's one of the Instagram friends. So shout out to Christina. She's forking keto on, on Instagram. She, we did Atkins at work and, and again, had some success. I, I knew that, eating low carb and, and not eating sugar and not eating processed foods made me feel better. I didn't quite understand then why, but we, we did it and we both had some success. And at the same time, I decided since I'd, I dropped a few pounds, probably 20, 25 pounds that I was going to take up running. Um, I was still probably around 280, 285 at that point and decided that I would be a runner. I was living right beside a trail, like a long rail trail that went on for, you know, tens of kilometers and thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to run. And I didn't do any research. I didn't think about it at all. I put my shoes on and I went outside one day and I had a roommate at the time who was also really unhealthy and, and obese at that time. And she was like, you're nuts. Just leave me alone. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go run today. And I, and I took it slow this time. I, at least I knew I didn't want to run 500 yards and pass out sort of vomiting in the grass. Um, and, and I started running one kilometer and I ran a kilometer and I ran a kilometer or a half a kilometer out and a half a kilometer back and tracked it in those days. There was a little I think this is what actually made me start wanting to do it. Nike had brought out a little chip that you could put in your shoe that would connect to an original iPod. That's how old I am. Uh, the iPod mini, the little tiny one. And it would sort of give you some feedback and you could, it had a power song you could program in and it would, it would track your run. And I was like, I, I'm an IT guy and I like data and I, I'm sort of nerdy. I want to play with this thing. So I took that out and I, I did a half a kilometer out and half a kilometer back and I felt okay. And, and that went on for a few months. I picked a race again with, with, uh, fork and keto from my work we picked a race we wanted to do it was a run around the zoo in toronto and we sort of both started running and we focused on that and eventually i, I got to a 5k it was not quick uh, it was a terrible rainy day and the run course was 90 percent hills uh, running around animal pens so it also did not did not smell great especially in the rain and my dad came out with us too he was like great i'm gonna go do this with you guys too and he came out and we we, we finished the 5k i think it probably I tried to look up the number the other day. I think it, I think it was somewhere in the forty-five or forty-seven minute range, if I remember correctly, um, which is is you know slow for my runs these days. But in those days, I was just excited to get it done. But then the run came, the run finished. I rested for three or four days because I was I was dead, uh, and I, I just didn't continue. I picked another run. I sort of half-assed it, got to the run, you know, finished it again, but but just didn't care at that point. I I, I find. I need those targets, otherwise I don't do anything. And when the target passes, historically, my problem has been keeping up with whatever I'm doing without a target ahead of me. Um, and, I, and I stopped running again, stopped Atkins, sort of gave up all the gains I had made uh, in any sort of way, shape or form. Um, and definitely packed on the weight again. Uh, I was working downtown Toronto in, in an office building that had you know, food courts, not just one food court, but Toronto is actually the largest subterranean shopping surface in the world so all of all of the downtown core is connected by this they call it the path it's an underground system of essentially food courts and retail shopping uh, so we had access to at least a dozen food courts and we would eat in them 
every single day at lunch. Uh, we were, there was no meal prep. There was no packing food. It was, you know, first job in the big city and we were going to take advantage of it. And it, it got to the point where there was a, a Chinese restaurant in, in my building. Cause at one point I just got too lazy to walk anywhere else. And I would go down there and they would have my, you know, uh, styrofoam container ready to go before I even walked up because I'd go down and get the same fried noodles, some sort of deep fried and breaded chicken and some sort of, you know, chicken and veggie or meat, meat and veggie sort of dish. And whatever was, whatever was, was warm that day, they knew I was coming around noon and they would just put the plate up there for me and I'd walk to the cash and pay for it and then, and walk away and see what they'd given me and, and sort of knew them by name. They knew me by name, which at the time seemed fun. It was, I was like, Hey, look, I'm making a friend down, I'm making a friend in the big city. They're making me my lunch. They're making me my lunch every day. And I'd sit and usually read a book and, and eat my lunch for an hour and then go back to my desk and sit at my desk for another four to eight hours. And that was my day every day. Take the, the subway home, walk from the subway to my apartment, which at one point was about a kilometer and a half, which was probably the most exercise I was getting in those days uh, in a week, you know, every day just walking to the, to the subway station and back. And, and that's how things went for a long time. And I just sort of got bigger and bigger. Again, I, I wasn't weighing in at that point. I didn't want to know. I'm assuming I crossed 300. That's, again, an assumption I've made. Uh, I don't know how far across, but I was definitely a, a big guy. And after that, I sort of, and we would go through with, with my roommate at the time, we would decide to eat healthy. We would get on some sort of plan, whatever we could find, whatever was sort of new and interesting. And then we'd still go out and we'd do a big grocery shop and spend $200 on groceries for the week to eat healthy and stop at McDonald's on the way home for dinner because it was too late to start cooking. And, and that was just how we did things. And we'd eat, we'd eat right Monday to Friday and then the weekend would come and we'd, we'd go and blow up our, our sort of diet. And sometimes we'd make it to Saturday, but usually not. Uh, we would either cook something that was, was in retrospect terrible or we would just order in something or we'd go pick something up and we did that for, for years. And that went on and on again. It's sort of, it's very like cyclical with me. And then in 2013 or so, I decided I wanted to lose weight. Um, I wanted to get in shape. I was certainly around 300 pounds somewhere. And I started running again. I'm like, great, I knew I could run. How hard can it be to do it again? Did some calorie restriction, got myself into sort of Again, it was 2013. There wasn't a lot of apps that you could track your macros or track what you were doing. But I, I'd write down what I ate. I'd try and give it a basic calorie calculation just to just to make sure I was not overeating. And it, it was very much uh, chicken and rice, um, you know, boiled chicken breasts. And actually, we had a, a George Foreman grill in those days, so it was probably George Foreman grilled breasts and rice or noodles or something and and heavy vegetables. I would go at that time. I switched my, my lunch eating habits. Instead of going to the Chinese restaurant, I would go to Wendy's, but I would get a salad with the chili almost every day, not eat the, not eat the chips. And, and that was, you know, almost every day. And I'm usually not that consistent with things. At least I wasn't in those days, but every day I would go get the same thing. And I sort of knew it was 800 calories when it was all done and I would start running. And, and again, had some success. I got actually in that stretch of weight loss down to my lowest weight at the time, which was 250 pounds, which was always my goal was I just want to see 250 that, that's, that was always my first, ever since I was a teenager, that was my first goal. I want to be, I want to be down at, at 250. That's a, that's a good place, right? I'll, I'll feel good there. And I did. And I, and I got there. I stayed there for probably three or six months, three to six months, uh, stayed at that weight, kept up the running again, signed up for a bunch of races, did my first 10 K, uh, race, uh, which, is the sporting life race. It's actually the easiest 10 K race in North America. Cause it starts at the top of the city and goes straight downhill all the way to the bottom, but I didn't care. It took me, it took me an hour 20 and I, and I got it, which I thought was a great time. I was, I was stoked. It was feeling good. And then I just sort of got comfortable with that. Got married in that time. I had a great time there. Um, had my first daughter 
2014 and I sort of wasn't doing anything. You know, you have a, a new baby. There's not a lot of time in those days uh, to get out and do anything or to even cook or, and, I, and I'm sure most parents will, will understand that those first few months are, are hectic and busy and scary and, and trying and there's no sleeping. And uh, that just sort of killed my progress. Um, I, and again, I, I knew at that point I was back up a bunch because I had stopped. I was probably, again, back around 275, 280. And I said, I, you know, I, I've got a kid now. I've, I've got to get healthy. I got, I got to do something. And then that sort of lost focus for a little bit. And then for the rest of that year, I, I sort of went back to my old habits of Monday to Friday, I'd do a good job. And then on the weekends, I would, you know, just eat whatever. I'd be out doing something or I'd, I'd be running an errand and I'd stop at a drive through somewhere and, you know, something like that. I would drink a lot of calories in, in fancy coffees and things with lots of sugary syrups and, and whipped cream and those sorts of things. And it took until my second daughter was born, which is in 2016 or just before she was born. There was a picture taken at her sort of gender reveal party. We just we bought a cake to, to tell the family that it was a, a little girl. And I, I posted the picture a few times on my Instagram. It's me wearing a Star Wars shirt. And until I saw, I saw that picture and yeah, I'm sure you've seen that one too. I've used it a few times. Uh, I saw that picture and I was like, who is that guy? Like, who, who the hell is that? Like, what, what happened to me? I, I was at 250 a couple of years ago and, and feeling great and like, I'm gigantic. And, and I sat and stared at that picture for uh, a long while uh, when we first, and I still do often because it still sort of reminds me of, of where I started. And I said, okay, like, I, I got to do something. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to die. If, if I don't do something and I got these two little girls now that are going to rely on me for the rest of their lives and I, I need to be around. And, and just by chance, this, you know, I, I sort of saw that picture. I had this sort of revelation and then I went for my a physical uh, a few weeks later. And again, I, my doctor is, is amazing. She's, she's great. She supports sort of whatever I do. And, and she called me with the results and she's like, you know, you need, you need to come in. And I was like, great. Like what, what now? And I still hadn't figured out what it was I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to do something. And we started having the, you know, your blood pressure is sort of off the charts here into the hypertension range and your cholesterol, she brings out the chart that says, you know, you're sort of here, which is a, a, a low, a low risk chance of, of having, you know, heart problems and, and heart attacks. But like, if you move one more notch to the right, I'm going to put you on a statin. And I know from experience, my father's on a statin and he's a pharmacist and is still anti-statins because they do a great job, but they're not great for your sort of whole body. And he didn't go on until he was in his sixties. And here I am at like 37, 38. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get on a Lipitor or some cholesterol drug for the rest of my life that I'm never going to get off. Like I, I need to do something. And a few weeks later, somebody at work, again, a, a different person at work brought up Whole30. And I was like, oh, you know, what's, what's, what's that? She wants to do Whole30. Whole30 is sort of mostly carb-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, processed food-free. And I was like, I'm in. I don't care. I don't care what, the, I, I think at that point, I didn't care what somebody had brought up, but I was, I was in. And I did Whole30. I am not a wait till Monday and start sort of guy. That's never in anything in my life, really. It's like, if I have an idea, I just, I just go and do it. So I remember having a bunch of junk food. I think I, no, I didn't even, I was just like, all right, Natasha, we're, we're doing this tomorrow. Like, let's start. And She's like, what do you mean tomorrow? I'm like, no, tomorrow. Like, we're coming to work. We're bringing a healthy lunch. Go shopping tonight. And I'm, I don't know if, she, I think she started two days later because she didn't get to go shopping. But we, the next morning, you know, I read the book that night. I'm an avid reader. So I plowed through the, the whole 30 book and said, like, I'm, I'm in. Let's do this. And it, it was good. I felt good. Um, within a week, you know, I was feeling better. I was not so much dropping a bunch of weight because I was still eating too many calories. I think, you know, looking back just because I was hungry. 
but I, I felt better like almost right away. And I, and I knew from the Atkins days, like not eating the carbs made me, made me feel good. And that's, I think where I sort of gravitated to whole 30 and said like, this is a pretty great diet. And my parents are, are both, uh, vegan, gluten-free, nightshade-free, oil-free, and mostly sugar-free, which becomes a challenge later on, which I'll, I'll get to. But, um, and so it was, it was easy to sort of be able to, to cook a lot of these vegetarian, these dairy-free things, because that's what they had, they'd been cooking for 10 or 15 years at that point already. So it was, it was easy to get into, you know, I don't need the cheese and I don't need the cream and I don't need the butter and I don't need all these uh, vegetable oils. And I, I can jump on this whole 30 train sort of whole heart. And I did it for 30 days and it felt good. I found some really fun new recipes, which for me is always exciting. Like I said, I love to cook. And the problem for me became day 31 because the program wasn't really other than, you know, drink some cabbage soup for a few days to get your body used to eating something, you know, like drink, drink, eat a few more calories or start slowly introducing things. Day 31 was like, great. I'm ordering two large pizzas and I've missed cheese and I've missed the bread and I've missed, you know, the dipping sauces. And I ate two, maybe not large, but two medium pizzas by myself. Uh, a third one that everybody else shared in the house and obviously felt like garbage. And that was, that was the end of that for a few weeks. And then I thought, you know, nope, Mark, I'm, I'm, we're doing it this time. Let's do it again. We can do we can do whole, we can do whole sixty, right? Like if it's if day thirty one was a problem, let's let's do it for sixty days. And I I don't think I made it sixty at that point. I think I made it about forty five, and then I had sort of a call it a cheat day in air quotes, and then got back on. I did I did make it through the sixty days minus that that sort of one night. I think it was a party or something, and I decided just to to eat what I wanted. And again, I felt great, but day sixty one rolled around and it sort of dropped off and back to old habits. And that went on for, for a month or two. And then I, I sort of, again, had a realization, all right, let's, let's do Whole30 again. I know this is a long sort of Whole30 story, but... Um, Which I'm interested and, in because I'm a, I'm yeah. a Whole30 guy. Whole30 is where a lot of my, you know, story started, you know, back in years before, yeah, you, were, years before you were doing it. But Whole30 was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, in, the, in like 2011, 2012, I was, wow. I was Whole30. I didn't know it was lot. around that long. Oh, yeah. I started it right after it got start. Like it was had just been around for a few months. I think when I when I got into it. Wow, I didn't. I, I honestly didn't even know it, it was. It went that far back. It, mm-hmm. I, I think. It, I think it's a good program. I, like I said, I just don't think it accounts for day thirty one very well. Uh, at least in the, the literature I've read, it sort yeah. of leaves you to your own devices on day thirty one. And, and for anybody with a disordered type of eating, which uh, I eventually realized I did have. Um, it, yeah, it, I I, it I think just, it's. I think the biggest thing that that gets messed up with with using the whole 30 which i i say i hear part of it in your story and i know what's in my story with it is at the end of the day the whole 30 is not a weight loss plan the Correct. whole the whole 30 is an elimination diet to help you identify what foods your body's sensitive to Absolutely. and there is like half the book is about you know the, the or not half the final quarter of the book is that reintroduction like which foods yep. to try first and how to do it and if you skip that part which is what i think most people do yeah is when we run into trouble loss. yeah you know, yeah, it's like this no, idea because we're doing it for weight loss. Like even the fact that one of the rules of the Whole30 is not to weigh yourself during the 30 days. And I don't yep. think I ever did a Whole30 without doing that. No, I weigh myself every day. I have oh, yeah. for, forever. <laughs> I, I, I eventually got into like spreadsheets and, and the whole thing, which I'll, I'll talk about once I got in, once I got into where I am now. Sure. And, and now, and now my scale finally, finally keeps track of it for me. I don't have to have spreadsheets stuck to my wall. Well, there you driving go. Everybody crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I did, I did one more cycle of whole 30 and, and then I realized that the, uh, somewhere through there that that wasn't for me. 
um, in about, this was like February, 2018 or, or maybe January. And, and again, I still felt good, but I, I realized it wasn't a sustainable thing for me. And I, mm-hmm. and I was losing some weight. Like you said, it's not a weight loss diet, but that's what we all used it for. Oh yeah. And, and I, I definitely lost some weight and I, I felt better. And then things get, things get a little muddy for a few, for a few months. I actually, and I get asked this a lot. I don't actually know how I came across keto. I, I wish I remembered because I get asked often. Uh, I must've been Googling or somebody mentioned it or, I, I honestly, I, I have racked my brain for, for three years now. This week's actually my three-year ketoversary. Um, yeah, which I, I had forgotten about, actually. Somebody I went back and looked. I was like, oh, yeah, it is, it is now. Um, I, don't, I don't even know what day I started officially. That's why I say week, because it was sometime. I had to work backwards. But so, sometime between January and, and March of 2018, I discovered keto. And I thought, okay, well, it's still, it's still low-carb, which I know makes me feel good. I've always known that makes me feel good. I can, I can do without the sugars, because I just did it for multiple months in Whole30. Um, I like eating all the meats and the cheeses, you know, like most people who start keto, like bacon and I'll have bacon and steak every day and I'll, I'll be just fine. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. And I did, I, again, the next, I, I remember that night, I don't know what night it was, but it was, it was probably, it was probably a weeknight at some point. At some point I had a McDonald's and pizza and ice cream because ice cream is still to this day, one of my weaknesses and said like, this is it. I'm done after this. I felt like trash, but I, I, force myself to sort of eat everything I thought I was going to miss over the, you know, the next few months or that, at that point a month. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And if I can do this for, for 30 days, I'll, I can have a cheat day. So let's four weeks. Like I, I can, I can do anything for four weeks. I can stand on my head for four weeks if I had to, right? Like I, I can do four weeks. And the next morning I started, I think I had, I had eggs for breakfast. I had um, leftover sort of just whatever the meat was that was in the fridge, chicken or beef or something. And then I cooked something for dinner that I found online. And for four weeks, I did not eat anything that wasn't egg, cheese, or a recipe that I found online in, uh, in a keto, like sort of a keto website somewhere. I would Google, Google keto recipes. I found Reddit in that time, and the Reddit has a really great subreddit around keto with a really great FAQ. So I started, started studying that FAQ a little bit. I think, I think it was at that time. might have been a little bit later. Um, and and I, went, I went, did that for four weeks. And it actually ended up being six weeks because I, I was traveling for work. Uh, in sort of end of April, which is why I, I know that this week in, in March is my sort of keto-versary when I started. And I sort of worked backwards. And I said, all right, I'm going to New York for, for the weekend. I'm going to be working, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I am not going to be able to pack food. I'm going to be in a hotel room. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to have access to anything that I need. So you know what? That, that's going to be my Saturday is going to be my cheat day. Friday will be fine. I'm flying in. I can bring food with me. I can find something healthy Saturday. I'm going to work all day specifically where I was working, there was only one place in the entire city we were in that would bring lunch in and it was sandwiches. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat the sandwich. I'm going to go out for a nice dinner on Saturday night. And, you know, at that point, I think even I knew Sunday as well would probably be a bit of a write-off. And when I fly back on Monday, I'm, I'm good. And, and that's what I did. I made it, I made it for just under six weeks. Didn't eat, like I said, anything that wasn't a Googled recipe that was keto friendly. It was mostly, I found, I ended up making zucchini lasagna, uh, chili, uh, mostly casserole sort of dishes so I could make it on a Sunday. I would eat it through the week for lunch. When it ran out, I would cook something else for dinner and I would, I would eat that. And, you know, four weeks in, six weeks in, I felt incredible. I had probably lost 20 to 25 pounds. I was feeling great. I, I showed up to New York to my office and even then, you know, the guys that I hadn't seen in a year were like, Jesus, like, what happened to you? Like, where, where are you, where are you going? Which, which always feels good when people can sort of recognize, especially people you don't see often can recognize your, your progress. And I was like, man, this is what I'm doing. I found this keto thing. And then all I, same as we talked about earlier, uh, 
just before the call, before the recording was that people were like, Ooh, I heard that's bad for you. And I'd be like, well, if this is bad for me, please, like, please bring, bring it on. Cause I, I've been doing all the reading and, and everything I, I can find is that it's good for me. And I'm feeling the best I have in probably 30 years. So if this is bad, you know, I'm, I'm signing up for bad. And, and I, I do, I do find, I love even more now when people come to me and tell me that keto is bad or that they can't do it, or it's, it's too difficult. And I'm a very analytical and sort of research driven person. So those first six weeks, I was, I probably read the entire internet on keto, um, everything I could get my hands on for any time I was, you know, had any downtime. So I, lo I loved it at that point when people would come to me and say like, Oh, you know, I heard it's bad for your cholesterol. And I was like, well, I, everything I've read says it's probably pretty good, but I, I, I just had a physical, so I'm going to have another one in a while and I'll, and I'll keep you posted. And I did, I followed up with almost all of those people and said, Hey, here's, here's my results. Would you, would you like to come and try keto now? Like this is, this is good for you. And I, and I found it very sustainable. It was, it was easy. And that went on. I did a cheat day every four weeks for the first eight months. And I will certainly say looking back that those cheat days definitely spiraled into sort of, we'll call them cheat weekends rather than days. Cause I would, I would get in the mindset of this binge mindset and, and looking back at most of my life, I definitely have some sort of binge eating disorder, uh, which I again, didn't discover until much later in my journey when I, I saw a, another Instagram friend going through sort of a relapse into binge eating. And she was on her stories every night saying like, Oh my God, this just happened. And I just did this and I bought this and I'm going to throw it away. So I don't eat it. And I just, I went out again and I bought another bag of candy and I was like, Oh my God, like I do all of those things, like all, all of them from start to finish. I, I, I riveted to her stories every day. Cause I was like, this is my life. Like this is, and, and I would get in the same mindset in those first eight months where I would have a, a cheat meal or a, a carb meal and then be like, Hey, I'm out of ketosis. I may as well go and enjoy everything I want for the next day or two. And I'll, I'll get back to it after that. Like I'm going to, you know, I would definitely binge on everything that I, there was one night at two o'clock in the morning, I went out to get an ice cream Sunday because I hadn't had ice cream yet during that cheat day. And I knew I was back on track the next morning. So I needed to, I needed to go to McDonald's and get a, a McFlurry, um, not a Sunday McFlurry because I needed to have my ice cream fix. Cause like I said, I have a bit of an ice cream problem and it, uh, I knew I was going to get past this sort of cheat day without having ice cream. So off I went at two o'clock in the morning and had my ice cream. And, and after about eight months of that, I realized that I was tired of feeling like shit the next morning. Um, I would wake up. I won't regale you with the story of my first cheat day in New York City where I ate, um, not by myself, but we had a six course pasta tasting menu and a large pizza and a bunch of desserts and then stopped for ice cream. Um, well, had, had 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 ice cream on the way there, and I almost didn't make it back to the hotel room before I, I had an accident um, because my stomach was not not happy with me, and the the bathroom at the restaurant was out of order. Which again, I will not regale you with that tale, which is quite hilarious, but but not probably uh, podcast appropriate. But it was uh, it was an interesting evening, and even then, it didn't stop me from doing it. I, and I remember that that first night as well. I got back to the hotel room, and I was like, I got more work to do, and I opened up my sat in the chair and. I opened up the laptop and I started sort of turned it on to, to log in. And the next thing I, I remember it was four o'clock in the morning and I was asleep in the chair and my laptop was on my lap still running. Uh, there was, there was sort of no control in those days and it would just make me pass out. So again, back to eight, eight months later, I sort of took a long, hard look and said, this, uh, is not good for me anymore. So I'm going to have to stop planning these, these sort of off plan days. Um, if they happen, they happen. And, you know, at this point I'm down about 80 pounds in eight months and feeling pretty good about it. I'm still wearing gigantic clothes, which again, looking back at pictures, people are now saying like, Oh yeah, we were wondering like, when were you going to buy new clothes? Cause you were looking ri ridiculous. And, and I did, I was in triple XL. I, I, I remember just before 
sorry, going back a bit just before that trip to New York, probably six months before when I was probably at my heaviest, I had gone to Minneapolis also for a work trip and not, not to, to slight Americans, but you guys are mostly bigger than Canadians. And I, I had a, I was really excited and like genuinely excited to find triple X dress shirts that were short sleeve for the summer uh, in a target in the middle of downtown Minneapolis. Like, like genuinely, again, it's some of the pictures I post on my Instagram is from that dressing room and I don't look all that excited, but in my mind, I was like, Oh my God, finally some dress shirts that are going to fit that are short sleeve. So I don't get sweaty because I'm sweaty at the best. Like I was sweaty walking around. Um, and, and I was, I was stoked and that was triple X and, and I was still wearing those now, you know, 80 pounds down, you know, somewhere around 200 pounds wearing these, these triple X dress shirts, uh, the biggest shirts I could find, uh, the sport coats again, that I was in Florida, uh, the year, that same January before I started and had finally found some sport coats that were big enough to fit me. Um, and I was, I was stoked. I had looked all over Toronto for sort of a triple X or quadruple X sport coat. And the only one that existed was white with black buttons and cost $650. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have worn that if, if you had paid me the $650. It was, it was terrible. And that was at like a, a, a big and tall store even. That was, you know, I, I, it was, it was a, a hunt for sport coats that went on for a long time. But anyway, I, I regress. Uh, back to that, that eight months, 80 pounds. I hadn't gone to the gym once. I had, it had been a hundred percent diet which I, I thought was pretty amazing. You know, at this point, my vegan parents who were pretty skeptical of keto at the beginning when we would go to get dinner somewhere and I would order three burger patties and they would all be having veggie burgers and things like that. And I'd put on extra cheese and extra bacon and nobody nobody thought that this was a good idea. And, and after about eight months, even my dad, we were in the car and he was like, you know, I was not on board for this at the beginning when you told me what it was, but I cannot argue with my results or with the results. And one of his friends who was a, a type two diabetic and overweight, he's like, I told, I told Neil about you and I want you to go talk to him because I think he needs to do this. And I was like, yes, like this, this works. Like people get this, it, it, it feels good. Um, and, and then I, so, so I still sort of started, stopped having those planned cheat days uh, at about eight months. I sort of coasted around 200 for a while. It took me a long time to get those last 20 pounds off. So I, I sort of say it was about eight months to get to 80 pounds and then probably another eight months to get the last 20 off. And, and some of that was some, some slippage and, you know, going off plan, going on vacation and, and undoing some of the, the weight loss. And some of it was just a plateau. I had about a five month plateau where I was being strict. I was eating what I was supposed to eat. And I, even then in those days, I didn't sort of know any good tricks to break a plateau. Not that any of them are, are really you know, 100% good, but there's, there's certain things I think that we all learn that we can do that our body reacts a little differently to. And it actually, it actually ended up taking a cheat day um, at about the five month mark. Um, I, I don't remember the occasion, but I, I ate far, far too much of my stuff off of pl off plan. And that sort of kickstarted me back into losing again. And over that time, I dropped the last 20 pounds and got to about 100 and Overall, get, got to about 110 pounds lost. Uh, at one point, I was down at about 174, 175, which looking back, I was too thin. I, my ribs were sticking out. I wasn't feeling, I, I was feeling great because, you know, you're in, in, in weight loss mode for so long that you sort of don't want to stop losing and you don't sort of see the, the, the signs of, you know, man, like I'm, my ribs are sticking out a lot. Like this, this looks weird now. And I decided at that point to start working out. Um, I thought like, okay, you know, I, I if I'm going to get this thin, I may as well put on some muscle. And I, I started, you know, after everybody was asleep at about 11 o'clock at night, I'd sit on my ottoman in front of the TV and I had a couple of, you know, five and 10 pound dumbbells and I would do, you know, basic curls, shoulder presses, push-ups, shoulder push-ups, 
whatever I could sort of think to do. And, and I did that for about three months and I, and I felt good about it. And, and that was my sort of nightly routine is I would do that. Then I would sit and watch some TV for a bit and then I would go to bed. And eventually I decided I needed to go join a gym. So I, I joined um, one of the local gyms here and I started doing the same routine. I would get everybody to bed, everybody would go to sleep. I'd head to the gym at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. It was quiet there. At that time, there wasn't a whole ton of people. Work out till midnight, 12.30, sometimes one. Go home, relax for... I have a problem of being able to, like, I cannot come home and just go straight to bed. <coughs> I come home and, and need sort of some decompression time. So, I, you know, I was going to bed at about 2 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 7.30 the next morning with the kids, and, and or at 8 o'clock in the morning and getting myself to work. And I did that for, for another year, um, and, I, and I loved it. I was there five or six days a week. I'm not a, a long sleeper. I don't require a ton of sleep. At least I didn't when I was a little bit younger. Um, five hours, six hours is enough for me. So I would go to bed at about two and get up at seven thirty, eight o'clock and go about with my day and look forward to the gym every night. I, uh, I liked it a lot and had, had some definite gains put on some, some muscle. There's again, I go back to, there's some pictures in the, in the past around that time where I look back now and I was like, man, like I was, I was getting there. Like I was sort of starting to, starting to be able to see some, see some muscle definition. I put, put back on about 10 pounds in that time, sort of not on purpose, but I just wasn't sort of fighting with, with trying to stay around 175. I didn't think that was the best healthy weight for me. And then sort of fast forward to January, 2020, I was still, I get down about a hundred pounds going to the gym every day. And I decided I, I, I couldn't do nights anymore. It was just starting to become detrimental. I was, I was feeling tired during the day and just not, not getting as good of a workout as I wanted. So I, I switched to the 5am crew or 5.30am most mornings and I'd go to the gym again, just trying to keep myself outside of those core hours at the gym. And did that for, for three months. Uh, I did 5.30 in the morning till about 7, come home, get, get everybody off to school, and then you know go to work, and, and I loved it. And I'm looking forward to getting back to it because, as we all know, March of 2020, the gym's locked down. And uh, up here in Toronto, they, they opened briefly uh, August, I think, last year. But it was impossible to get an appointment. I got one in the two months or six weeks they were open when I could actually get an appointment that I could go to. So I had sort of given up on that. Um, but I also, this, this is sort of incidental, but the month of February of 2020, I decided to do my first bulk. So I was, again, sitting around 180, 185 and decided to, to bulk, do a, a sort of a bulk cycle and then go into a cutting cycle. And I had sort of just finished my bulk. So I was up or closer to 200 pounds um, as the gym's closed, which was a bit of a, a bit of a, a mental problem for me. I, I was sort of like, what the hell did I just do to myself? I just got like fatter on purpose after 40 years of trying to lose weight. And now the gyms are closed. And that, that took me a few weeks. I did nothing for probably a good two weeks while I just tried to wrap my head around like, wh what am I going to do? I mean, and, and I think in those days, none of us really thought the gyms would be closed that long, especially certainly not a whole year. And I sort of did, did nothing. And I, I, I should say I did nothing. Um, one of the, my friends online is a, is a sort of virtual personal trainer and he sent me some workouts and I did them. And I, I realized that at home workouts were just not for me. I didn't have the equipment. Obviously we couldn't find equipment in those days. Um, everything was sold out. And so I, I sort of woke up one morning and went back to the old faithful and said, you know, like I run once in a while for cardio at the gym. Like there's no reason I can't put my shoes on and run outside. And so that day at lunch uh, from work, I took a lunch break. I was working from home already by that point and said like, I'm I'm going to go for a run. And I, I went out and struggled my way through, I think, three and a half kilometers before I sort of turned myself around and came home and, and 
you know, I felt I felt good about it. I been like I said, I'd been running at the gym for my cardio between between weightlifting, and I knew I could I could get back up there. So I started running, and I ran and I ran. I felt like Forrest Gump every day at lunch. I'd put my shoes on and go outside. It was it was as much a mental break for me from work and from from being in the house and you know switching to this this lockdown lifestyle uh, as it was a physical break. And I got up to a 5K, and then I actually just just posted a picture today of Google Google Photos randomly made me a bef- like a before and after picture of yeah, my I face, saw, and they both I saw that before yeah, we came on, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, their run was from a run in 2019, and one was from a, from a run a few weeks ago, and you can you can seriously oh, yeah. see that at the end of the run, <laughs> I looked like I was going to die in the first one. Like mm-hmm. I got it done, but and I, and I remember in those days, I felt great getting it done. Like I was getting outside, it was warm. Um, it, it, like it, it felt good, but you can see in my face, like I was pained. Um, and you can see in the, in the later one, just for anybody who hasn't seen it, like I finished a 5k and I'm, I'm smiling and ready to go for another five at this point. So I, I ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Like I said, Forrest Gump style. Uh, I did a couple of 10 k's in there. Uh, Michael, uh, fat dad keto had put out a challenge one day to do a, an eight mile run. And I was like, great, I think I can do that. Just put on my shoes, went out and did it. Uh, I almost hurt myself. I didn't hydrate or really take into consideration Ooh. that it was, it was it was hot out. Uh, I got I got it done. Again, I felt I felt great for getting it done, but then I spent an hour in an Epsom salt bath and mm. chugging electrolytes, and then took a nap on the couch, which is not how my runs had normally been. But that 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 also drove me forward to say, I I need to, uh, like I need to start working on on sort of running properly. That was really when I changed my sort of mindset for hey, I'm going to run 5k every day to like what what's my plan going to be, what are my goals going to be. Like what? What am I? What am I doing with these runs? Like I can't just aimlessly run for who knows? It would be a year, but um, and so I sort of picked a 10k as a goal, and then with another friend, we we decided we wanted to run in 2020. We wanted to run a half marathon, uh, which obviously with everything shut down wasn't going to work. Uh, but I did end up going December, just between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, it wasn't too cold that day, and I went out and ran my first half marathon. Uh, in two hours and four minutes, which I, I had set myself up for anything under three hours and I'm going to be happy with it because I, I had no idea what kind of, I'd never run that kind of distance before. I'd never run really more than sort of 15 kilometers uh, in one sort of go. And and I went out and did it. And, you know, it was it was amazing to sort of, from a personal accomplishment, I, to, to meet the goal, A, with like four days to go before the end of the year, where I, in a year when we I didn't think it was going to happen. Um it, it felt good. It felt good. And now I'm back to about 5k a day, uh, on and off. There's been a lot of, a lot of craziness going on around here. I ran all the way through the winter. There's also a really funny picture of me with the, the ice beard, which I didn't realize I had till I went to take the, went to take the picture. Uh, there was luckily for me, it was, it was a mild winter. I was able to get out almost every time that I wanted to. There was a few that I probably shouldn't have gone out on. Uh, but once you get in your head, you're going to run that day and you know, you didn't run the day before or to, you know, the next day is going to be a rest day. You just you lace up and, and go. And, and I finally, it took, it took until the half marathon before I sort of considered myself like I'm a runner I, I, and I added up my kilometers. It was over a thousand kilometers for, for the year. And I was like, you know, like I'm not just a, a fat guy bouncing around on a trail. Like I was the first time, you know, it was a, it was a very distinct mental shift for me to like, I'm, I'm, I'm a runner. Like, who would have thought it? I, I, I actually, I actually outran a pair of shoes. My shoes that I was running in broke, and I called the store and said, like, hey, I've only had these things for like four or five months. Like the the eyelet broke. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Like, can I can I get these replaced? Like that seems odd. And the guy's like, how many kilometers have you run on it? So I, I went back to my app and I looked, and 
it was about 650 and he's like well, they they last four to 600 so sorry buy, buy new shoes and i was like man that's an nsv i just like wore out my first ever pair of shoes like not from just being a fat guy like walking on them i i ran out ran a pair of running shoes like i was actually very excited i still have them i haven't thrown them I have, i'm not sure if i'm gonna give give them away yet i like that's my first ever pair of running shoes that i out, outran so it was it was a big one for me i was gonna say yeah they deserve like a, a place and find a case for them or something i know it's like bronze bronze them like they used to have kids shoes or something I mean, like, this is this is my first pair of running shoes uh no i'm kidding but it it yeah it was it was it really made me sort of sit there and, and reflect on like you know it didn't take long of being consistent and i talk about consistency a lot um to get to being where I consider myself a runner and I'm sort of considering a full marathon for, for this year. And one of my goals for this year was to at least train for some longer distance and some full marathons, which I started doing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit wild. And now diet wise, just to wrap this up, I am in maintenance mostly. And I will say, and I, I'm, I'm not sure, you, I'm sure you can relate to this. I am finding maintenance uh, almost as complicated, if not more complicated than losing weight. It is, a very sort of slippery slope to say like, you know, I can have this snack or whatever it is, or, or, you know, share a pizza with the kids or have a slice or two of, of, you know, carb pizza and not have it derail me back into that sort of binge mindset of, you know, like, screw it. I'm off the rails. Let's, let's eat our, eat our hearts out for the next 24 hours and then we'll get back to things. And it's, it's been a struggle, but it's, it's worth it. And, you know, I know for me, keto makes me feel good and I, I don't begrudge anybody, whatever program works for them, as long as it's working. You know, as long as you feel good doing it. But for me, that uh, that seems to be keto, and and that's where that's where I'm at now. There we go, man. Yeah. And I, I feel like we could end there, but I, I don't want to. I feel like there's some things for us yeah, to talk about, um, <laughs> for things sure. for us to really kind of get into with it. And I I don't I don't want to kind of gloss past the point about maintenance. Like I think there's something to be said when you've got more structure, you know, kind of like a more yeah. a more structure driven process going on. So absolutely. Even if and, you and do it, step off that course, you know what you're going back to. But in maintenance, it's almost like, well, I I choose the direction that I'm in, because the idea of maintenance isn't that you know it's the same exact thing as weight loss. Like it's what the the common perception is. You yeah, know? I, I mean, think and, that's and, where we go wrong. No, yeah, and I agree. And I, and I think when when you're in that that weight loss mindset, um, you have a goal. The goal is one more pound one more pound every day, one more pound every day. And I, I definitely struggled at the beginning of sort of saying, I, I don't want to be any thinner. I mean, I probably got a few extra pounds on me right now, but I, I don't want to be like back at 175 where I sort of felt uncomfortable. What's my goal for today? Like what, what is, and for me running became part of it, but like, what's my, what's my eating goal? Like, do I try and stay, I, I, I like to experiment. So I, I do like to, you know, change up my food and, you know, I'll do, total carbs for a few weeks or net carbs in March. I'm actually doing no caffeine, which I thought I read an article about caffeine and sort of overloading your adrenals. And I, I drink a lot of coffee and I thought, you know what? All right. It was, it was literally the end of February. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to wean off for the next week. And then I'm going to go no caffeine for March. And I'm at, at day 26. I am looking forward to a diet Coke again. I do love my diet Coke. Um, I found some caffeine free Coke zero. It's just not the same, but I'm looking forward to a, a diet Coke in the next week or two. But uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's setting those sort of small goals and maintenance things that you can sort of shoot towards and be proud of to achieve that may not be one more pound, one more pound, you know, it's sort of just get better at something, you know, do something right. different, do something to keep yourself engaged. Otherwise it's, it's, it's hard to sort of keep motivated. Yeah. I think it's, I think there's that process, that, that constant process of experimentation and trying things and being open to new things and 
find like yeah. and then finding the challenge in it and finding the way to kind of keep yourself driven and give yourself something to focus on because i think that's a the bigger piece of it is that i think we all expect maintenance to be this time where we don't have to put the mental work in anymore we don't need to stay as focused and we don't need to do that oh, and that's kind of like what we all hope it will be and i think the reality translates differently the reality translates oh. to a lot of the, the same issues you had when you were 100 pounds over 80 pounds over 200 pounds over 300 pounds over whatever it is everything doesn't magically disappear because the scale reflects a certain number yeah, you know so even if you've done the work along the way you know to help yourself with those issues you know whether it's binging or whatever it is it doesn't mean that you can just kind of close the door on that chapter and say i don't need to worry about any of that anymore like it, it's one yeah, of those things no, for, where for you sure. need to keep that mental that mental that mental consistency there whatever form that ends up taking yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. And, and I think you said the best before, like when you when you go off plan or you do something that you're not happy with when you're in weight loss mode, you, you know how to get right back on, especially, you know, for us in the keto space, you know, I just jump right back into keto. And I know I feel good. And I know I'm, I know those pounds are going to come off. And I know they're probably water anyway. And, and you sort of remember that stuff. But you know, there, there's times where I'm, I'm laying in bed and I think I'm like, man, should I just like put on 10 pounds just so I can put take it back off? Like, should, should I just should I just eat what I want for the next week? Like, just so I have something to do next week to, to take that 10 pounds back off. And, and I know that's physically not healthy. But like in, in the mental spaces, like, you know, maybe I should just just get bigger again. And then I'll have sort of that that focus of what I need to do. And, and it sort of it, it waxes and wanes. But like, there's some days where I'm like, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm going to, I'm still on the, on the keto train and I'm going to be eating what I'm, what I'm eating and I know what I'm good for. And then there's other days where I'm like, you know, the other days, the other day, the kids were having French fries or something and I, and I stole one and then I stole two and then I stole three. And I was like, I need to not steal a hundred, you know, and I need to not eat all of the rest of the fries in the bowl because just because I can, because I know that's not what my goal is for today. You know, my goal today was to stay keto and, and to not eat, eat the French fries. So yeah, it's, it's a struggle for sure. It's uh so, it's definitely a serious mental shift. And, and I want to kind of go into some of the mental shifts that happened along the way for you, because I think your story reflects something that a lot of people listening are probably familiar with. And that's that desire to change, that desire to try something new, getting really into it, getting really focused on it. And then it just kind of changes and stops. And all of a sudden, you yep. know, it's been a couple of weeks since you've been doing what you were doing before. And then you get back on something else. And, you know, the whole 30 period, I think, kind of exemplified that really well yeah. when you were talking about that. But what, what I'm just what I'm curious about is not necessarily because you kind of I think you took us really well through the shift that that happened for you. It's more what do you think about finding kind of keto in the path you've been on these past few years now, which congratulations again on three years. Thanks. And, and I, I relate to not necessarily remembering because I remembered it was my four my four year anniversary because Stella posted about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she, oh, wow, she's right. It is. OK, interesting. Um, but. What do you think it is that's allowed you then to kind of head onto this course and stay on this course this time? Um, I think I think it's a combination of things for me. I think a I, I was ready, right? I, like I said, my my I knew I knew mentally I, I was going to die if I kept on the same track I was on, and and I was you know I had my little girls to to take care of it, and I I wasn't going to let that happen. Secondly, it was it was that conversation with the doctor who who I will add after I had lost. I saw her again after I'd lost about 60 pounds and she was again, blown away. Like, what are you doing? How do you do it? And I told her keto and I explained it to her and she was slightly skeptical, but said, you know, like that makes sense. I'm, I'm into it. And the next time I saw her, she had put her husband on it. Um, so let's just say a, a fun side note. So she, she is very supportive of, of, again, at that point she was supportive of me losing weight any way I was going to do it. It didn't matter. 
Um, but I think that conversation with her about going going on a statin, my blood pressure being through the roof, just just being generally unhealthy, sort of triggered for me like, okay, like it, it's now or never. And, and then keto, I find for me, it's tasty food. I don't feel deprived. Uh, in those early days, there wasn't all the the fun products and you know all the. I remember one one of the first keto sort of places that I found was our, our friend Neha at Switch, who has end, ended up becoming a, she's like my neighbor. So we ended up being really, the actual first Switch office was 10 minutes down the road running from my house. So those, some of my first runs were running to Switch to say hi to Neha and then running back home. Um, and, you know, finding some of those products to try, like we sort of spoke about in, in earlier is I, I like trying new things. I like all the new products that are coming out for me that makes this sustainable. I, I obviously like meat and cheese and eggs and all those tasty things. And I, I liked the challenge at the beginning of cooking in a very different way. Like I was, you know, 38 years at that point of cooking the same way every day and using the same sort of sauces and, and sugary things and, you know, putting everything on bread or pasta or, or rice. And it, and it was exciting for the first year. Probably it's still exciting sometimes to, you know, somebody just brought out a few months ago, keto French fries. They're made of almond flour and xanthan gum and water. And it like blew my mind. I was like, I need to try this right now. It took me a week or two before I had time, but I'm like, I, I need, I need to do this. And I, and I think that excitement around relearning sort of everything I knew about food and everything I knew about sort of cooking kept me entertained for the first 80 pounds at least. And at that point, once you're at 80 pounds for me, it was like this, this works. Like I, I would be ridiculous if I decided to stop this now because it's, it's working. And for me that, that was sort of self-motivating was like, I can't stop now. Let's see how far we can go. Let's see how far we can go. Let's see how far we can go. And, and again, that got me to the 175, which I thought was slightly too far. Um, but I think those, that like combination of factors has made this very much exciting and sustainable for me. And I'll also say after it took me an entire year of keto uh, before I found the Instagram community and that community is uh, we have a very large local Instagram keto community and, and obviously the global community how we met uh, is very motivating. Um, you know, I, we get tagged every day in the FitFam tags for people working out. And I, I see those that some of these people are working out at five in the morning, which I'm since lockdown not doing. And I wake up and see three or four people have tagged me in their workouts. And I was like, man, I wasn't going to run today. It's wet out. But like, I, I, I need to post my, I need to post my run today. Otherwise I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let these people down. I'm going to share, not be able to share in this sort of day of working out. And for me, that, that is, that social element uh, certainly helps, helps me, you know, get out there every day and, and keep doing what I'm doing. And it also, in a lot of ways, exposes like your, your Instagram tag hack my keto yeah. yep. is in a lot of ways, exemplifies a lot of what you've been talking about when you were telling your story. You know, that willingness to kind of find the new things, try the new things, whether it's new yeah, recipes, always. new products, all of that. That's yeah. still something that's very much an alive drive for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my one of my my sort of idiosyncrasies, I suppose, is if I'm walking through the grocery store and I see a product that says limited edition or new uh, in the past, you know, usually that's junk food. I, I would be drawn to it and have to buy it and try it. And, and I still do the same in the keto space now. I've, I've refocused my my focus now on, on sort of things that I think are healthier for me and that, that work better for me. But um, I have like a, a, a impulsive need to try new things, I guess, and to, and to sort of experiment with on myself and with new products and see what they're doing. And I just a few weeks ago for the first time ever took Exogenous Ketones. Uh, a company had sent me some and said, hey, do you want to try these? And I was like, hey, I've never done it. I probably wouldn't wouldn't pay for them. Um, cause they're not cheap, but like, yeah, send them over. I'll see, I'll see how they do. You know, I didn't find them entirely useful. I definitely gave me a little energy while off caffeine. I used them 
as sort of a pre-workout. And, and I definitely found they gave me some, some, you know, short energy, which, which was great. Uh, but it's, it's those sorts of, especially these days, there's, there's new products every day and there's new things to try and there's, there's new recipes, like recipes online. There's always, I save so many posts. So I was like, Oh my God, I need to try this. I need to try like the French fries. I need to try this. Like, wow. Why haven't I tried this yet? You know, those sorts of things. And, <clears throat> you know, um, was uh, Frank from culinary lion posts some rid ridiculous dishes and you know, <laughs> half the time he posts something, I was like, I, yeah, I need to, I need to make this right now. And in fact, he posted one of my favorite keto dishes ever, which is the Coney Island casserole, which if you look at my feed, I've, I've made way too many times, but it is, it is delicious, but it, it's, it's again, the food, the food's great. Like why wouldn't I want to be experimenting and trying to, trying to have fun with it. So, so that said, I, you know, in the spirit of hack my keto, I want to put you yeah. on the spot. You know, okay. I feel like sure. this is my first moment. I, 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 it's not really gotcha <laughs> journalism, you know, and I'm not going to try to make, I'm not trying to make you cry because that would be, you know, kind of boring yep. for the show. But yeah, yeah. so thinking about, cause like tips and hacks are all those things that people talk about all the time in the keto space Yep. for the past, like three years in this space and doing keto and trying all these new things. Like, what do you think are your top keto hacks that you've discovered? So I, I, I will say one, one that is probably everybody listening who's on keto has, has uh, knows this, but there's a lot of people that I find don't because I see a lot of bit about it is that your electrolytes are very important on keto. And uh, I didn't, I, I think I got really lucky at the beginning. Like I said, I was making a lot of um, zucchini sort of lasagna casseroles and zucchini is really high in potassium. And I think I, I, I accidentally sort of dosed myself on potassium <clears throat> with the amount of zucchini I was eating. Um, but that, that whole first start of keto and the keto flu and, and feeling gross is I think what stops a lot of people from continuing. And it is so very much solvable by making sure you're getting your salt and, and magnesium and potassium. And, you know, not that I don't ever get a headache when I've been off plan and I come back on and I'm, I'm not feeling great, but I know now, like, you know, eat some salt, drink a, drink a electrolyte drink or, or make one and, and I feel better. So that, that's probably the first, that, that would be a biggest tip. Um, I think from a, a hack perspective, one of the things uh, I learned after that five month stall is that you sometimes just need to change things up if your body is not responding. And I, and I think, you know, we sort of get in that same mindset of this has been working for so long. <clears throat> why, why has it not worked? And I get a lot of people messaging me saying like, oh, I haven't lost weight in a week. You know, I'm stalled. What should I do? And I always sort of like laugh and say like one week is not a stall. Come, come back to talk to me in another two you know, then, then, then you're stalled and maybe, and maybe you should try something different. But, you know, in the past year I've experimented with sort of, you know, egg fasts. I've done months at a time of carnivore, usually with a group of people, which is, is also motivating and fun. <coughs> um, carnivore is really fun with my vegan parents. There's mm, legitimately not a single, not a single food that crosses. <laughs> right. So family meals, there's not a single thing we can both eat on the table, which, which we laugh about pretty often. Uh, they still think carny's a little bit nuts. They're, they're, they're sold on keto, but they think carny's a little bit nuts. Um, but it, you know, it makes you feel good and it's, it's a good sort of elimination essentially to, to get some, some inflammation down and just to feel better. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, there, there are certain times where you need to change things. And, and I talk about consistency a lot, but there are times where you can be consistent and the results don't come and it may take, it took me five months. I don't know if I'd recommend waiting that long, but if, if you're sort of in a stall for a month or two months, you know, maybe it's time to adjust something just, just to change, just to sort of shock your body into something different, you know, egg fast, carny, um, you know, go to total, total carbs for a month, see how that works. I would even, and, and this is going to sound terrible, but like in, in, in the direst situations only cause it, it worked for me was, you know, have, have a high carb day, 
give your give your body some carbs and see what happens. You, you'll probably feel gross, but it, it may just be that sort of metabolic reset that you need in, in a day to say like, hey, you know, I don't, I, my body doesn't like this. Let's let's sort of start start moving back in the right direction. And I think that's you know that's probably worst case scenario. I, I wouldn't recommend doing it just for fun, but it's you know if you're if you're really stuck, like it, it may take a day of of you know up your carbs to fifty or to a hundred and see see how your body reacts. That and, and keeping measurements is probably my other tip. Uh, like I said, I had a, I found a spreadsheet. It was actually on Reddit. I didn't create it uh, in the early days where every morning and every evening I would weigh in and it would track it on a graph and it would show me the day before and the percentage lost and the weight lost. And then now, obviously, my phone does that because it's connected to my scale. But for me, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Even if the even if the data, the number is bad, you know, if I put on a few pounds or, or it, it, it's not a happy number, I can analyze that and say, okay, like, why, why did I put on three pounds yesterday? Well... I ate a tub of ice cream, even keto ice cream. Like I ate the whole tub, which happens. And then we all do it. Um, and okay. So like learning, learning from that next time, the next time I pull that, that pint out of the, the freezer, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit of this in a bowl, which I probably should have done the last time too. And I'm not going to eat the whole pint. And, you know, over time, those things become sort of habitual and you, you sort of keep learning from your mistakes. For sure. For sure, man. So Mark, uh, we've, we've spent a fair amount of time together and I don't want to keep yeah. you all day. Uh, it is Friday. So it is Friday. Well, I'm assuming can- there's Friday in Canada, right? We do. We do have Fridays. Like See, my, my, my job, I do work a lot of weekends and evenings. I, I happen to be off this weekend. So yes, it is. It is a real Friday for me today. Um, I do have some stuff nice. on the go in Australia at the moment, but it's set to wrap up any, any minute now. Uh, well, so, <laughs> so work, I, I want to just see like, in terms of like everything that you've been through and, and you know, that you, the story that you dove into some great detail with what, what's next for you? Like, is it the, the continued running goals? Like, is there anything kind of big on the horizon for you that you, you're excited about? Um, I, I think the gym's reopening is a big thing that I'm excited yeah. for, but hopefully in the near future, I, I absolutely going to keep up the running. Like I said, I think, I think I'm now a runner and I'm going to make sure that's part of my, my fitness routine. But, um, I also am, am not a home workout guy and I am very much missing. I, I've even resorted to doing some, some, you know, sort of light home I have a few dumbbells still that I just like, I have to do something and I'm looking forward to the gym reopening and, and sort of looking, figuring out what my new fitness routine looks like sort of post COVID, I guess, or we'll call it sort of post lockdown. Um, I really, really, really enjoy weightlifting and I think I want to sort of get into some powerlifting and maybe find a coach and see if I can get into some of that. Um, hopefully in the next year, if, if things open back up, that is, that is my, my next sort of short-term goal that, and obviously the, training for a, a full marathon. I, I had a, a elevator, literally an elevator conversation in, in the building I live in with this guy who had to have been 85 plus the other day. And he, he said, uh, run. he's like, Oh, you know, you're going for a run. And I said, yeah, he's, he said, Oh, I used to be a runner. And, I mean, he had to be 85. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, what kind of distances? And he's like, Oh, I ran, I ran Boston a few years ago. And I was like, we mean a few years ago. He was 65 and he ran the Boston marathon. And he did say to me, don't run a marathon. It's, it's not worth it on your body. But he said, but he said, train, train like you're going to run a marathon. And that's really stuck with me, especially in the last, that was about a month ago in the last four weeks is to say, you know, doing the full marathon, just, just to get the medal sort of thing, maybe not worth the, the wear and tear on the body, especially at, at my age, although my age compared to his age, he's 20, he was 25 years older than I am now. Um, but train, train like I'm going to. And I think that's, that's going to be part of my, my routine sort of going forward is to, just keep pushing those those runs. And, nice. You know. Yeah. I like it, man. So, Mark, I, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the show. And you know that Thanks I end every episode me. with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through them? Absolutely. So, I'm here we go. 
Question number one, living or dead, Mark, who is your favorite fat guy? Um, I, I am Canadian, so I got to go with John Candy. Of course. I, I was hoping watching, for that. Watching those. I had to, but it, the caveat to that is I think Homer Simpson is a very close second because I, I love Homer Simpson, but I grew up with John Candy uh, sort of my whole life, and, and that guy was hilarious. Nice, nice. Question yeah. number two, Mark. Tell us, what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Uh, I, I probably, I would say compassion and, and empathy. Uh, I mean, I, I know being a fat guy is probably not the worst ale in the world, but they, we're certainly treated differently. And there is certainly, you know, I know you've talked about it before and, and I was probably not even close to some of the, the highest weights of the people that have been on here. But like, you know, you go into a restaurant and, you know, you don't want to sit in the chair that may break or you're hanging out with friends and, you know, you don't want to sit in the lawn chair that's going to fall through. And yeah, you, know, you sort of learn how to feel compassionate for other people that are going through other things, maybe not even weight related, but um, sort of take a look at things through, through their eyes and say like, is this situation I'm putting them in uncomfortable in some way because I'm, I'm just not thinking about it, uh, you know, from their point of their perspective. And cause people don't really think about things from, you know, a fat guy's perspective very often. And uh, it, it's a, it's a hard lesson to learn sometimes. For sure, man. Question number three, Mark. So no matter what day it is that people listen to this podcast, whether it's a Monday or not, if they want to get started, you know, if they want to follow Mark's example and start no matter what day it is, what do you think is one thing, one concrete thing that a person can do today to get their journey started? Well, you stole my answer. I was going to say just start. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I would say, I would say uh, consistency, which I, again, I talk about that a lot uh, in my personal life and even in my work life and, and on my Instagram. Um, consistency and what it means to you, you know, don't, don't start something and just give it up. And it, there needs to be some time frame for you to be able to at least see how it works for you and whether it does or doesn't work. I, I don't care if it's keto or vegan or low carb or low fat or what, whatever program or working out or, or even going to work every day, like being consistent, I have found. And again, I, I, this is not something I knew until probably well, not that long ago when I sort of really thought about my journey is, is the consistency is the number one factor for me for reaching my goals. If, if I'm not consistent in what I'm doing, I will falter always. And I'm generally in my life a pretty consistent person, uh, just sort of looking back. But for me, that has become sort of a hyper focus for me is when I set to do something, I set my mind to do something, I, I stay consistent and do it. Um, and for me, that is, that is work. And I would say for anybody, again, if you're, if you're starting a new weight loss program, a new weight training program, trying to gain weight, trying to lose weight, doesn't matter. Stay consistent. Give it, give it a month, set a goal for one month out. And if you can make it a month, you can make it two months. And if you can make it two, you can make it four and, you know, stay consistent. There we go. Question number four, Mark, what is one thing about yourself that you love? Uh, it's a tough one. I, I would say probably my work ethic. I, I am a pretty hard worker. Um, I like, <laughs> I work too much from a, a work, like actual work perspective, but uh, there's not much in my life that I don't give a hundred percent to uh, when I'm, when I'm working on something uh, fairly get sort of hyper-focused on things sometimes, but I, my work ethic is something that I think I, I got from my father who also worked hundreds of hours a week uh, and grew a business that uh, sort of sustained our family for a long time. But I, I have a pretty strong work ethic and, I think that shows in sort of my, my work and my career. And Mark, last but not least, question number five, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? 
and actually it'll relate back to my work ethic then because I, I it is time for some some career changes for me and uh, there's some some growth opportunities for me in my career that uh, I'm sort of striving towards over the next well hopefully six months but maybe eight and nice. that'll be that's my my sort of non-fitness goal for the next year I uh, I did a degree part-time which I finished last year that would have been it I finished a, a degree it took 10 years to do a, a bachelor's degree that I had never done earlier and that has now led to some opportunities so nice yeah well, good luck with that, Mark, of course. And we've already talked about your, your Instagram tag, but let people know where can they find you if they want to connect. Yeah, Instagram is the best place. Hack my keto, one word, uh, H-A-C-K-M-Y-K-E-T-O. And I am on there uh, quite a lot. I'm, there we go. I'm usually around there if anybody wants to find me. And I will make sure that Mark's link, the link to Mark's profile is in the show notes for today's episode. If you want to connect with me, don't forget you can find me on Instagram as well at Keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk to me about coaching, you can reach me at www.theketoroad.com slash coach-mike. All those links are down there in the show notes, everyone. You know that. Hey, my friends, remember, go out there. Do something today to amaze yourself because you are the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.